so I think the most important thing there is to be connected with your customers and be really listening to them, talking to them and understanding what was amazing, but also what sucked. You know, having that constant conversation, closing the loop on that feedback is critical. So really being able to map out your customer journey and have a clear sense of where are the times that I really need to be present for them? When do questions come up? And the key to all of that is talking to your customers at each step of the way, but also just having great analytics and being able to to have usable data during that flow so that you can rely on the data to inform the decisions you make around those moments. This is the CMO and Joe podcast. We interview today's most inspiring chief marketing officers and savvy marketers of lucrative direct-to-consumer e-commerce companies, bringing you insightful stories and tips on marketing, sales, branding, and much more. We bring you the best lessons from the best. Let's get started with your host, Joe Momo. But if we're going to look at episode number one, my origin story is that uh, I'm a a privileged guy who grew up in a middle-class family in Montreal, Quebec. And uh, uh, in my young adulthood, when I was about uh, 18, I got into working in the hospitality industry. So um, started waiting tables like most people do early in their careers and really quickly uh, advanced to sort of managing restaurants and nightclubs. Um, I was always a huge fan of of dance music and house music, and that whole world was really fascinating to me. Um, So I found myself sort of managing one of the the hopping, you know, uh, nightclubs in Montreal, and which was great. Like, I had a ton of fun, and it was amazing, but I eventually started looking around saying, where do I go from here? (laughs) Do I want to stay? Do I want to be, you know, 30 years from now, sitting in a dark nightclub with pounding dance music? Um, And so that's when I started to sort of broaden my horizons about what the future could look like for me and where where I might want to take my career. Um, So that was 1999. And uh, my sister at the time was was a, a freelance webmaster. So this was back in the very early days of the web. And she said, you know what, Dave, you should look into learning how to build websites because I think you'd really like it. And that little boost from her gave me the confidence to go into the local bookstore and I picked up a copy of HTML for Dummies. And literally, that is how my career in digital marketing started. Uh, and it, was, it came with a CD-ROM. So you basically use the book on your computer with the CD-ROM and it taught you how to code a website, you know, really basic HTML, how to build (laughs) tables and, you know, but that was where it all started. And I fell in love immediately. The the world of the internet was new and exciting. There was all this new potential of, of what, you know, businesses could do online to reach people, to communicate with their audiences. And, and I, I immediately, combined that with my passion for dance music and started a business with a friend of mine called Subscience. And the idea was basically we were creating a portal that would bring together DJs, their their audiences, record stores, and nightclubs as a place to share music, sell music, share events, and and basically build community around around uh you know passion for for dance music. And uh I went in one day to pitch that business to uh, Alex Tyfair, who at the time was the founder of New Run, which was one of the top digital marketing agencies in Quebec at the time, actually in the world. Uh, And he sort of listened to this really unsophisticated business pitch from this guy who really didn't know the first thing about what it was to actually launch a business or pitch a business. And he, he sort of, his eyes glazed over and he said, you know, I don't remember exactly what he said, but, but he was really generous enough and insightful enough to say, I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to swing at this pitch you're giving me, but I will offer you a starting level job as a web integrator and web designer at our agency. Uh, and that was probably the best thing that happened to me because that's where I really got surrounded by smart people who understood marketing in the digital space, who knew how to the best practices around how to build websites, 
Um, and that's where I really cut my teeth in digital marketing. Um, and so my career since then has been a combination of, you know, agency life. Uh, I, I was really fortunate to work with Mitch Joel and the, the team at Twisty Maj as their first VP of strategy. Um, and they became one of Canada's leading digital agencies. I've worked on the client side um, at one of Canada's earliest e-commerce companies, Ice.com, which sold commercially accessible jewelry to consumers. So it was one of the first online e-commerce platforms for jewelry. Um, and I've also been really fortunate to do uh, to have a successful consulting practice working with companies like Amazon. Uh, and Audible on their social acquisition. So how, basically when Facebook advertising was was newly launched, I was able to really um, you know, get in that platform early and help them figure out how do we acquire new customers on Facebook. So that's the really uh, quick fast forward through my career. And it all started with HTML for <laughs> Dummies 101. Yeah. <laughs> Funny how things work, hey? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's awesome. Um, and you said currently you're consulting for companies. Um, I guess let's jump right into it. What sort of um, marketing trends do you see uh, currently um, in 2021 that excite you? Wow, great question. There, and, and it's such an exciting year. There is so much stuff going on. Um, well, what marketing trends? So Obviously, 2021, in the era of COVID, e-commerce is massive. So, you know, basically, um, e-commerce has moved from being the domain of the large, you know, sort of large, big e-commerce stores to much smaller, nimbler businesses who are bringing traditional businesses online or who are starting new businesses and launching them online. Um, so I think, uh, you know the tools and channels and tactics that are being brought to the table by smaller, nimbler businesses are making it a really interesting space. Um, I think that we're seeing a really interesting era in digital marketing with Apple's latest iOS 14 and, you know, the elimination of IDFA as a default piece of data that marketers can use. And very soon we'll see the cookie go the way of the dodo bird. Um, so how marketers are navigating a world where they don't necessarily have the granular level of data, uh, that they're been accustomed to in terms of how they track, uh, users, how they target users and optimize their campaigns. That's really a big thing that, uh, I think a lot of digital marketers are grappling with. Um, and then uh, sort of more macro, I would say, you know, again, related to the era of, of COVID is, how do we think about how this global pandemic has changed the behaviors, the attitudes, the consumer uh, habits um, of an entire population? You know, um, and that sort of breaks into two ways that I think about it. One way is you've got sort of the pre-immunization era, call it. So you know, we're still living in quarantine and lockdown and social distancing and people are at home and we're doing this and via Zoom. And, and how does that change the way people interact, um, engage with brands, discover new brands and convert? Um, so that's super interesting. And it's obviously putting the, you know, you know, it's putting consumer behaviors totally online and, you know, completely changing the things they use to spend their money and spend their time. And then there's post-immunization. So what's going to happen once we have critical mass of a population that's been immunized and how does that change behaviors and change the way people think about what they give their attention to, what they give their money to and how do we engage them? And so you've probably heard about people referring to the roaring twenties. You know, I, I, I know that as soon as we can, my wife and I are excited to go take a trip somewhere. And so things like travel, things like experiences uh, are obviously going to be really valuable versus material things. Maybe um, it's also really interesting to see how our media consumption habits have changed, you know? So clubhouse is the, is the latest rage, you know, people have time, they're at home. They've got time to listen to this type of long-form audio content. Is that going to change once they're able to get out in the world and be socializing in person? Is Are they going to give up some of the time they're spending with on Clubhouse and platforms like it for, for other types of behaviors? Um, so these are the types of, of things I'm thinking about. 
Oh, absolutely. That's, that's awesome. I know for me personally, I've definitely consumed more um, streaming services, more Netflix, more uh, Amazon Prime, if you will. Uh, but for you personally, Dave, uh, how's your consumption habits uh, changed the last nine to 12 months? Yeah, great question. So uh, we, my wife and I definitely, I think we're, we're subscribed to like four streaming services right now. Um, so definitely, you know, and, and we don't have cable, so it's all digital, all streaming. That's definitely something that's huge. Um, in terms of our, our behaviors, obviously socialization is pretty much out the window. So all that money that we used to spend on going out for dinner or going on trips, uh, we've been saving, you know, um, and we've been, you know, thinking about how do we use those savings. So it's sort of an interesting time where you're seeing um, saving levels increase amongst Canadians. Obviously, there are a ton of us who are also experiencing the the economic um, hardships of a pandemic. And so, you know, we'll, as I refer to my situation, I'm fortunate in that in what I've described. But uh, there's, you know. Uh, a lot of changes in behavior about how people spend their spend their money and save their money um, if they're in a situation to do so. Um, for us, you know, I live a very simple life. I was an introvert before the pandemic started, so <laughs> my my personal behaviors haven't changed you and a I whole lot. <laughs> I haven't changed a whole yeah. lot. My wife and I moved out to the country, um, and we, you know we love it out here. So we actually might not return to the city um, at the end of the day uh, when this is all over. So that that's probably the biggest change I would say. Um, but yeah, as it relates to my professional life, I mean, there's no shortage of companies and brands who are looking for expertise around, you know, how to grow their businesses via digital channels. That's accelerated if anything. And uh, so, so it's a really exciting space to be a part of. Absolutely. Um, hey, speaking speaking on that, um, lots of brands, lots of companies are looking to uh, digitize or at least spread their message through online channels. Um, one of the things I, I uh, saw on your website was uh, your your uh, talk about what makes ideas spread. Um, so I'm just curious. Uh, maybe give us a little uh, a little tidbit on that. What 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 does make ideas spread um, when you're marketing? Yeah, that's great. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm, that's nice to, to see that you went back. And I, that was an old uh, presentation I gave, gosh, feels like forever ago, maybe five years ago. But the, but the premise behind it is is still true. In a, in, a, in a digital world where social channels are such a huge part of distribution, uh, when brands look to how do they get their messages out, it's really about how do we get our audience, our customers to pass the word along. And so really, you know, some of the ideas that I, I spoke about there, and these weren't really my ideas, I'm just carrying them forward from some legendary people. But obviously, the idea of, um, of Aristotle, who said, you know, logos, pathos, and ethos, um, how, do we, how do we use logic to get people, logic and compelling stories around emotion, you know, emotion and um, why this matters to me um, to help people spread the word and tell what makes a story memorable and, and uh, viral, to use today's terminology. Um, one of the core, one of the most impactful things I've ever read um, actually was Contagion by, um, gosh, you've caught me now, I'm drawing a blank on his name, uh, Berger. Berger uh, is his name. And uh, Basically, he built a framework and his methodology was he took, he looked at the New York Times most shared content and he looked at, I don't know, tens of thousands of stories and he tried to analyze what were the stories that were most shared and what were the commonalities there. And he built a framework um, around that, the STEPS framework. Um, And so STEPS, which is an acronym, S-T-E-P-P-S, um, basically were criteria that he basically identified that if your piece of content or idea or story contained, you know, three, four, five, six of these criteria, you had a very high probability of it being passed along by somebody who was exposed to it. 
Um, and so those acronyms, uh, for instance, social currency or social capital is one. That's the S. Uh, the idea of social capital is like, if I tell you about something first, so you're in the know, you know, I've earned social capital with you. Uh, so I'm more inclined to tell you about that. If I tell you, hey, there's this great deal going on down the street, go in, you tell them Dave sent you, you know, you'll get the best price better than anybody else. Uh, then I've earned some social capital with you. And that makes me inclined to share that message with you. Uh, emotion, uh, sorry, T is triggers. Um, so the example used in, in Berger's, Jonah Berger's book is, um, what do you think is more commonly shared on social media, Disney world or Cheerios? Hmm. That's a good question. What do you think? Um, Disney world? <laughs> I'd say maybe and that's Disney the world. most common answer that, that, that I get when I ask people that question. But the reality is it's Cheerios. And the reason being is that you might go to Disney World once, twice, if you're lucky, three times in your life. Uh, you eat Cheerios every day. And that box of Cheerios, if you're a Cheerios consumer, is on your breakfast table on a daily basis. So you're exposed to it. You get the trigger to talk about or share Cheerios on, the frequent, on a very frequent basis. Another great example of that is that song that was a YouTube viral sensation, which was called um, Friday. And I forget the name, Lara, Lara, Lara Black, Laura Black, I think, Friday. And yeah. yeah. If you look at the YouTube analytics on that song, on the views of that song, every Friday it gets a spike in plays because Friday <laughs> is the trigger for people to talk about and share the song Friday. Um, so that's an example. Uh, the E is emotion. We know based off of what's been going on on Facebook around, um, you know, all the uh, sort of controversial um, content around the U.S. election that emotion drives sharing, you know, and actually negative emotion is really powerful in driving sharing as well, which is unfortunate, but it's, it's true. Um, P is public. So if something is publicly visible, it is um, very uh, inclined to stimulate conversation about it and sharing the live strong yellow bands that Lance Armstrong um, had pioneered were an example of that. You were wearing the yellow band, somebody saw it, and that started a conversation about it. Or the Coca-Cola campaign where you had your name on the actual bottle of Coke and, you know, so that pu publicly made you, made it an opportunity to, to share. Um, mm. and then, um, S is stories. So, um, nothing resonates with us. We are a, 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 as humans, we are storytellers from the days of painting on walls and caves. Um, and so crafting messages into stories, um, allows people to connect with them, identify with them, remember them, and make them very easy to pass along. Um, so when I've worked with clients around, hey, how do we get your message to spread, get your customers to spread the word to other customers, we really look at that framework and we say, okay, you have these marketing ideas, these content pieces, these messages that you've crafted, Let's put them against a matrix of the steps and see how many of them we, we check off. And if we're not checking off, like, let's say at least three, we don't have a strong chance of that story going viral. And so let's try to focus on strategies that really focus in on those insights about what, why people um, pass along messages. Mm, absolutely. No, I love that. I really love the storytelling piece. I think that's really important in marketing, really telling your story, why, why your brand's different than all the other brands. That's actually one of the reasons why I started the podcast, to get to know people and their backgrounds and their stories. And Maybe I have to add more Cheerios in the podcast, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you get a sponsorship, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go a little bit more viral, but uh, uh, maybe what's, what's maybe a couple brands, maybe your most favorite brands right now that you really admire kind of their storytelling or their kind of marketing um recently wow that's really interesting question um so let's talk about the super bowl uh which is the platform where you know some of the top brands come to play in terms of how they get their their you know in terms of advertising anyways i really loved what reddit did 
um, during the, the Super Bowl. Um, you know, they took a five second slot and they really just did a quick screenshot of a message that was communicated in their own brand. You know, it basically was a Reddit post. Um, and they understood the audience is watching this on digital. They can pause, rewind. Um, and basically that message was just all about what had just taken place with the Wall Street's bet, Wall Street bets, um, sort of game stonks, uh, you know, movement. And it was talking about, hey, how, hey, we're here for the underdog. We're here about, you know, connecting people around big ideas and movements. And, um, you know, if you, if you see, if you've rewound and, and you're reading this post, you get it, go check us out on reddit.com. And so I thought that was just really smart way to, to connect. Um, I really like a brand out of the US, which is a fintech app called public.com or public. And basically they're, they're a, a trading app. Um, and they're similar type of service to what Robinhood does. Um, so they're competing head to head with Robinhood. Um, and I actually saw this morning, uh, a song they put out. It's a video of Michael Bolton, the, you know, musician, <laughs> the sort of soft rock musician from the eighties, um, talking about public and how it's making trading accessible to users but actually the song he sings in the video is a direct shot at at robin hood you know there were obviously a lot of investors who were who were disappointed with robin hood and the fact that they weren't able to get their trades executed during the whole GameStop event and uh, there's some conversation about is robin hood selling our game flow our, our trade flow um, you know, to, to clearing houses and to, um, you know, hedge funds or whatever. And so it was a direct take on that. And it was basically understanding the narrative that was in the market amongst their audience, uh, using humor and, um, a song, you know, and, and a piece of content that's likely to go viral, but speaking directly to sort of the pain point that their audience was facing. So I liked that a lot. Um, yeah, I mean, gosh, there's so many brands that are that are doing great stuff. Um, one of the things I'm really excited about right now, and this is sort of adjacent to marketing, let's say, but um, but actually, it's product marketing, if you will, which is not this idea of non fungible tokens, um, mm -hmm. which is the idea of how we use the blockchain to basically tokenize digital assets um, so that they can be traded online, and you can you can guarantee authenticity and ownership of a digital asset. And the NBA has been phenomenal in what they've done in partnership with Dapper Labs, which is a Canadian startup um, who's built the sort of blockchain infrastructure for them. The NBA has launched Top Shots, which you can trade in digital moments, um, which are collectibles. They're videos of you know highlights from last night's game. Um, and these these moments can be traded back and forth between fans um, in a marketplace and they have an increasing and decreasing value, much like a stock would or, or a physical baseball card that you might try to sell. Um, and by really understanding the future of collectibles and where that's all going and what, you know, how to engage with a new generation of basketball fan, the NBA and top shots are sort of bleeding edge innovation, um, I'm super excited about what they're doing. I actually bought a LeBron James moment uh, a few days ago of him taking a three-point jump shot, and before the, the <laughs> before he drains it, he turns around to his bench with the ball in midair behind him, and he sort of puts his arms out, and he's like, and it goes oh, in, and everyone awesome. goes crazy. Um, <laughs> And this is the first time I've engaged wow. with NBA. I used to be a huge basketball fan, and this is the first time I've engaged with it. So this is an exciting time for how they're innovating with you know what the product is that they're putting out in the market. Wow. I, I love that. Who's uh, who's uh, who's your NBA team? If you don't mind me asking. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm well, growing up, and I'm you know this will date me a little bit, but I was uh, a Detroit Pistons fan. Bad Boys for Life, uh, Isaiah Thomas, oh, yeah. and Dennis Rodman, and Joe Dumars, and that whole crew. So, uh, yeah, I'll always, I'll always have a piece of my heart in Motown, and uh, but I just love great basketball, so I love all the teams. You know. well, that's awesome. Um, yeah, it's funny that you mentioned the Super Bowl. 
um, commercials because a lot well, a lot of people argue that those are really effective ads because a lot of people are um, consuming those ads um, on, on a large scale. Um, but for you personally, let's say a brand like um, I don't know maybe Amazon, like you, like you mentioned, you're working with, yeah. uh, came up to you and said, "Hey, we have 50 percent more budget." Um, yeah. What sort of things would you use that extra budget and, and kind of why? What would your kind of yeah. reasoning be for that? Well, look, that question is always going to be a function of context for sure. So there's no one answer. Um, but I'm a digital marketer, and I want to be able to measure everything I do and be able to optimize it on the go so that I can be as efficient and effective with the, with the dollars I spend. Um, so, you know, uh, I am very bullish on, on paid social, you know, so whether we're talking about Facebook and Instagram, just because they have such high reach and such high consumer, um, attention in terms of the time spent on these apps. Um, and Google, obviously, for its reach, but but you know TikTok is obviously a huge player now, and there's you know just about every company I speak to about it who is it, who is playing in that space is starting to see really interesting results, and it's changing the way they're thinking about their storytelling and the content they put out there. So I'm excited about that for sure. Um, but again, I, it would really be you know if you're saying Dave, how do I how do I spend this extra fifty percent of my budget? I would have to really look at, okay, well, what are you doing now? What's working? What's not? Where can we increase spend on what's already working to scale the the success you're having there? Um, And then I would say, okay, based off of who your user is, what your strategic marketing messaging is, how do we reach more high value users? And, And so the answer to that question will always be contextual based off of that conversation. For sure. I think I'm the same way too. Like I really like to test and assess kind of my marketing approach, yeah. just really doing it through A-B testing and kind of just having the numbers in front of you to really scale or um, reduce and optimize or pivot when needed. But uh, yeah, I'm what's been the most social. What's been the most interesting sort of thing that you've played with lately that was maybe a surprise or, or um, outperformed what you thought? Uh, your, um, what your expectations were? That's a good question. I'd say um, playing around with Spotify ads, pre-roll ads. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, the it's a surprisingly high ROI. I mean, their targeting platform isn't as good as, uh, let's say, like Facebook or Instagram, like you mentioned. But um, yeah, they're a growing ad platform, and it's it's. Uh, um, I find that podcast listeners too, or people that listen to. Uh, apps like Spotify are more maybe engaged with uh, the content that they're um, consuming. So maybe it's uh, maybe it gives them more, more of a push to kind of consume your ad or your uh, story is my kind of nice uh, thoughts behind that. But uh, <laughs> that's really interesting to hear you say that one of the clients I'm working with now, um, audio advertising is definitely an angle that we're trying to explore. Um, so I'm going to pick your brain after this chat and try to see if there are any specific learnings I can get from you. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Got to stick together as marketers. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I guess my next question was um, obviously with digital marketing, you're telling your story, getting people kind of through the door, being brand loyal to you. Um, How do you provide a great customer experience when they're kind of through the door from your experience? Yeah. Good question. And, you know, this sort of aligns with one of my beliefs, which is the best marketing is an amazing product, you know, so it's all got to start from the product, you know, assuming we're talking well, in any case, but um, particularly when we're talking about a digital experience, when the, when the digital experience is the product. Um, so I think the most important thing there is to be connected with your customers and be really listening to them, talking to them and understanding what was amazing, but also what sucked, you know, where did we fall short on your expectation? Where did you get blocked or confused? Um, you know, having that constant conversation, closing the loop on that feedback is critical. Um, you know, understanding when your customers reach their moments of delight 
is, is, is really critical because that's such a great time to engage them, whether it's about getting a review, trying to upsell them, getting them to refer friends into your product. So really being to map, being able to map out your customer journey, um, and have a clear sense of where are the element, where are the times that I really need to be present for them? You know, when do questions come up? What is that moment of evaluation where they're ultimately going to make a decision to buy or not? Um, when did they get their first win using your product? And then that's the moment to engage them further and, you know, amplify that win to, as I say, you know, greater monetization, sharing, et cetera. Um, and, and the key to all of that is, you know, talking to your customers at each step of the way, but also just having great analytics and being able to, to have usable data during that flow so that you can rely on the data to inform the decisions you make around those moments. Yeah. Absolutely. Back to that data, uh, having clean data and being results-oriented data for That's that. That's <laughs> dream, man. Clean data. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, my next question uh, it's, it's a question I always love to ask. It's a little bit out of the box, but um, maybe what's one question, Dave, that you never get asked that you wish you would be asked? Oof. Yeah. That's a good one. Let me think about that. Oh. Or maybe what's something that you're like really curious about right now uh, that's been on your minds forefront for the last few, few weeks, few months. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, uh, on the, on the forefront of, I'm still all stuck on the first question cause it's such a good one. And um, on the forefront of the stuff that I'm excited about, it's really is how does, um, the lack of data that's coming from a iOS 14 and cookie-less world changed the way marketers interact and engage and, and own their customer relationships. You know, if we're not going to be able to rely on um, third-party cookies or you know Apple or whoever it may be to share data with us, um, then there are going to be some really innovative technological solutions that allow us to directly own the relationship with that data. Um, and so that's a place that I think is going to be ripe for innovation. Um, and I just think that in the second piece, I'm, I'm sort of repeating myself here. The second piece is just, I think that the behavioral change or the cultural change that comes from this pandemic that we have all collectively experienced is going to be really immense. I think that we've yet to really understand how that change it will will materialize in terms of our behaviors, in terms of you know how we interact with brands. Um, but I, I think that that's something marketers need to be thinking about now. We know that there's definitely been an acceleration of innovation and in sort of where we were heading. We're now we've been fast forwarded there to a degree, and so those are the things that I'm that I'm really thinking about. Um, what's the question I never get asked? Uh, I don't know. I've actually, you know, one of the questions I, I don't frequently get asked is what, you know, when did you, what, what's a great example of when you fell down, you know, like what, what was your big failure that you can point to, you know, because people are always asking, you know, show us what you did. Tell us about the awesome results you had. And like, being a marketer, of course, is about getting results. But being a marketer is also about trying all kinds of different things. And you're never going to, you know, you're never going to be batting 100%. In fact, I had a, a mentor, Jonathan Coet at ice.com. And he always just used the batting average, um, you know, uh, example, which is like a great batter in Major League Baseball bats 350. That means he gets up to bat 10, you know, 100 times and only gets a hit you know, 350% or 35% of the time. And, and he was trying to instill in us, that's what I want from you. I want you to try 10 things. And if we get five of them, let's say that are successful, we're, we're ahead of the game. Um, and so what things have I failed at? Um, 
And actually, it goes back to something we tried at ice.com. It was Black Friday, which is a huge e-commerce shopping day. This was 2011. So Twitter and influencer marketing was really not a thing yet. Um, And you didn't have a lot of Twitter influencers who were like, you know, for sale and who were who who had a platform where it was worth doing influencer marketing. But at that time, the Kardashians were a big deal. Um, and so one of the things I did was a, an influencer campaign with Khloe Kardashian, um, where we paid a not insignificant amount of money to have her tweet out, you know, our Black Friday deal. You know, it was all about Black Diamonds was what we were merchandising. And we were super excited. She, she was a real influencer when it came to fashion and jewelry. And uh, we were expecting big things because I forget how many millions of followers she had at the time, but we were going to be able to reach millions of people, which was bigger than any other platform we could have gotten at that cost. And she put the tweet out on Black Friday and our website got hammered with traffic. I don't know how many tens of thousands of hits we got to the website and we're watching and we're waiting and we're watching. Anyways, Joe, at the end of the day, zero conversions. Yeah. So so that was sort of like, uh, oh my gosh, I've just spent this, you know, written this big check and we totally, we, we, we laid the big goose egg. Um, (laughs) but, uh, it goes to show, you know, like you've got to have ways to connect with the right audience who are most going to engage with your, your product and offering, and, you know, reach is one thing, but engagement and conversion is a completely different thing. And so it was a really great learning lesson and certainly goes down as one of my great all-time failures. <laughs> wow, that's, that's intense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like to always say that um, there's not, I don't like to call it failures. I like to call it um, learning opportunities. And it's pretty awesome that in this there circumstance, you, you learned that uh, e-learning was... Um, it's not all about uh, reach. Sometimes it's just really about the engagement of the audience and kind of the contextual targeting of that audience. Um, but no, that's that's yeah. really really fascinating. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you, you sometimes you just got to pivot when, when needed. Um, but uh, my next question to you, Dave, is um, maybe what's what's some components of a uh, successful brands. Um, we've talked a lot about kind of storytelling and um, targeting uh, your relevant audiences, but maybe what's something uh, that you've seen that a really successful brand has that we can share with the audience? Yeah, so I think uh, authenticity is such a critical element when building trust. And, you know, whatever brand you are in whatever category you are, there is some level of trust you have to engender with your, with your audience. And um, if you are not being authentic with them, if you are not being real, if they can't trust you, um, you know, it, it sort of all for naught. Um, so I think the brands that, you know, can be relied upon, they do what they say they're going to do. Um, they don't, you know, try to bedazzle you with all kinds of fancy buzzwords and, you know, uh, empty, empty offers or promises and are just real. You know, I think that that's more and more becoming super important. Um, and so, you know, great brands who do that, uh, you know, I, I like to think actually a, a company uh, that I've uh, done some, been fortunate enough to do some work with is a company called Willful. Uh, they're Canada's number one online estate planning uh, platform. And, you know, when it comes to putting in place your, your estate plan or your online will, obviously you need to be able to really trust uh, the, the, the organization you're working with, that they are going to deliver on what they say. They're going to keep your, your wishes safe and allow you to be able to update your online estate plan on an ongoing basis. And so the relationship they have with their users is tremendously um, valuable. And, and that just comes down to being real, being helpful, you know, being transparent um, and being trustworthy. 
Um, so, so the best bands, brands I see, uh, they really focus on respecting and valuing the relationship they have with their users based off of a strong foundation of, of authenticity and trust. Yeah. No, I love that. And yeah, I mean, marketing, it's, it's a big component is building that no like, and trust uh, factor with your target audiences. So yeah. definitely authenticity builds that uh, trust even further. So it's great to hear you say yeah. that. Yeah. Kind of I mean, back another to- example. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Well, I was just going to say another example of that. We were talking about Robinhood before, you know, and like Robinhood did such an amazing job over the last several years, building up this amazing community with this message of we're going to empower you to access opportunities to build your wealth in ways that have never been done before. They named themselves Robinhood, you know, the story of the, you know, the bandit who stole from the rich to give to the poor. Um, and then when that community needed them most, um, Robin Hood wasn't there to deliver on that trust be, for, for no reason of their own, you know, no fault of their own. It was an issue with the clearinghouse. Some would say they were undercapitalized. They weren't able to execute on those trades. But in a day, all of that trust they had with that community went out the window, you know? And so that's such an example of how, how valuable that is and how, um, fragile that trust is if you don't, you know, give it the respect it deserves. Absolutely. And it's definitely extremely hard to get it back. So you got to take care of it. <laughs> okay, little baby. Yeah. Um, going back to the um, comic book theme in the beginning, um, I'm always curious asking my guests, uh, but maybe what's like a superpower, a unique skill that you have that's made you become so successful in your uh, endeavors? Well, that's a really good question. I don't know if it's a, a, it's certainly not a superpower, but I would say if I've, if I've had any moderate success in my career, um, one is just because I've just been tremendously privileged and lucky. Um, two, it would be because I've really been able to combine the full stack of marketing in the sense that I, I've, uh, I can I, I think strategically. I think about the why, not the what. You know, so what are the what are the strategic foundations around what we're trying to accomplish here with an idea for objectives? And, and those are the types of skills that allow you to sit at a board table or at an executive table and have conversations at that level. Um, but that I also you know can code a website and read code. Um, that I can open up Photoshop and build a piece of creative. Um, that I understand how Google Analytics is implemented and I can analyze those reports and, you know, do some, you know, um, you know, analysis related to data. Um, so the ability to sort of be a multifaceted talent in terms of I can sit in a creative studio with a designer or in a dev scrum talking to a programmer or, you know, at the board meeting that has allowed me to um, really straddle all of the conversations that allow you know that that are involved in being successful in marketing. The other, and again, not a superpower, but the one thing that has served me so well in my career is the my ability to. Well, one is curiosity. Uh, if I don't know something. I want to go, I want to go learn it. If I need to know something and I don't know it, I've got to go find the answer. Um, and, uh, and so Google has been my best tool in my career is just, no, I don't know how to do that formula in Excel, or I don't know that attribute, that property in CSS or whatever it is, and I'll go learn it. And, and so that curiosity and, and maybe, maybe being a bit, uh, autodidact, autodidact, uh, self, self, self learner, um, is, uh, has been, has served me really well. Um, so when I talk to young marketers and they're like, Hey, what should I go study or what should I do? Or should I go to university for this thing? I'm like, look, all those are all good. Um, the idea here is 
you have Google and a phone or a laptop, you have access to all the answers you could possibly need. And so just be curious and hungry and follow that curiosity and never stop learning because it's changing. You know, Absolutely. it all changes so, so fast. Yeah. Absolutely. How about you? I'm the same way, Dave. I'm, I'm, um, yeah, I'd, I'd say I'm the same way, really. Uh, I'm, I like to say I have an insatiable appetite for learning. So there's nothing like the University of Google <laughs> or YouTube. Yeah. Um, just always learning and uh, trying to keep up with the trends. And um, yeah, just having that curiosity of kind of knowing or wanting to know what's kind of out there or what are you missing? What's, what, what are the gaps in your knowledge that you can help fill yeah. Um, with Google or YouTube, but I'd say, yeah, pretty similar answer. <laughs> cool. Yeah. I only have a couple more questions here for you, Dave. Um, we, we mentioned some of the new social platforms uh, earlier in the podcast, um, like Clubhouse, TikTok, um, kind of the newer ones. Um, but what's your favorite social media network uh, personally? Yeah, that's a really good question. It's changed, obviously, over time. I used to be much more into Facebook and Instagram, you know, but, and, and not at all a Twitter guy. And now I find I spend the most of my time on Twitter um, because I can get, I get, I I learn more on Twitter than I learn on any other platform. So I'm for, you know, I follow people who are influential or who have, who are thought leaders and things that interest me. So like recently I started following a bunch of NFT and blockchain people and through that, I'm just learning a, a ton about that space. <laughs> um, so, so I would say Twitter is is where my time is spent as it relates to social. I tried out Clubhouse. Uh, I'm not going to close the book on it yet. But A, I don't have a ton of time to sit there listening to the content. And I find it's challenging discovery in that platform for i find is difficult so actually finding and curating the right content i find is is not obvious um so i think that that'll be it'll be interesting to see if they solve that problem because i think i'm not the only one who has that problem with clubhouse so how do i time manage it in other words can i go back and listen to archives because i can't be online at you know two in the afternoon uh, to listen to a clubhouse, um, and is there a way that that content gets tagged and and becomes searchable so that I can go find that content and go listen to it on demand? Um, for me, though, that's those are going to be the things that make it more appealing. I think. Where are you spending your time? Right, right. Well, those are great. Those are great comments. Uh, I'm, I'm sure they'll probably iterate and um, <laughs> upgrade as 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 needed. Yeah. Um, but for me, I'd say I'm kind of mentioned it earlier in the podcast. I'm I'm, I'm really getting into Reddit. Um, <laughs> just nice. the whole uh, hype around it. But uh, yeah, it's really really uh, it could be good and bad. It could be a time suck for sure. But uh, there's lots of engaging content on there, so <laughs> gotta be careful. <laughs> It's yeah. another awesome source for learning too, though. Eh? You go down into some of those subreddits and like, yeah, I've, I've answered a ton of questions just by going, whether it's Reddit or even Quora, like as a place to get answers to questions. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a great, great community too. Lots of people. Um, very, very connected. It's, it's pretty awesome. Um, nice. But yeah, what's uh, kind of my last couple questions here. Uh, what's maybe something you're proud of, Dave, that, we haven't touched on in the interview so far. Well, I'm proud of, uh, so uh, there are personal things I'm proud of, the professional things I'm proud of. Um, on the personal level, uh, I'm proud. I would even use the word grateful, probably more than proud of my relationship with my wife, uh, who's just such an amazing woman who I met. Uh, five years ago, we've been married for four and, uh, basically, yeah, everything I am today is, uh, because I have her beside me. Um, so that's on a personal level, on a professional level, I would say, um, so, so my focus these days is around helping young companies grow, uh, early stage sort of 
seed level to series B kind of zone um, and helping those companies really figure out how do we get, uh, you know, get scalable, efficient, replicable growth um, to a point where we can build this business into something that's sustainable, that can become a market leader, that can create jobs for people. Um, and so I'm really proud of, of the work I've done with some awesome companies, uh, whether it's Breather and the team there, uh, the team at Mocha, you know, Phil Bear and Liam Chung at, at Mocha and the entire team there. Uh, I'm super proud of my involvement with them and what they've accomplished and, uh, and continue to accomplish. Um, and so that'll always be something I'll look back at my, my tenure there um, fondly and, and uh, continue. I'm an investor in their company now, so I'm excited to see what lays ahead as they continue to grow. Um, and then, you know, I'm proud of the relationships I've created along the path of my career, you know, um, these, you know, the people I've mentioned on this call, whether it's Mitch Joel from Twisty Maj and Mark Goodman there, or Jonathan Coet from ice.com or, uh, you know, um, Phil at, at, at Milo at Mocha. Um, these are people I consider, you know, friends and I love staying in touch with. And, and that's just, you know, this is what we do for a living. This is our profession. And this is the thing we spend most of our time doing. And so if you can't connect with the people you're doing it with and, you know, have a good time doing it and form lasting relationships doing it, then I feel like that's a missing piece of the equation. So uh, I'm proud of the relationships I've been able to foster in, in, during my career. Awesome. No, I love that. And I'm, I'm super, super honored to have you on the podcast. And hopefully, off air, we could build our relationship too. Um, nice. <laughs> Same here. Yeah, for sure. And um, yeah, where can our listeners connect with you online if they do want to maybe reach out or um, connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, you can go to my website at davehaber.ca. Um, or on LinkedIn, like I'm, I'm very, you know, quick to engage on LinkedIn. So just, you know, connect with me there. Um, Dave Haber, I'm, I'm pretty much Dave Haber on all the platforms. So Twitter, I'm at Dave Haber and, uh, ping me anywhere. You can email me at Dave at DaveHaber.ca. Uh, so yeah, I would love to hear from any of your listeners who have questions or just want to connect. Awesome. And I'll be sure to link all the uh, contacts in the podcast description so people nice. can go reach out. <laughs> right on. This episode of the CMO and Joe podcast has ended, but be sure to subscribe for more business strategies and tactics to help you create the profitable and successful business you've always dreamed of. And don't forget to rate and review so we can continue to bring you the best content. See you on the next episode.